Well, this morning I'm going to ask you to come with me to Psalm 139 this morning. And if you're reading from a pew Bible, you'll find that on page 628. So 628. And for those who are visiting this morning, we've been working our way through this summer a series that we've called Discovering God. It's looking at His attributes, what our God is like. And so what we're going to see here this morning, we're going to see some of God's attributes in Psalm 139. And then Nigel's going to open it up for us in just a few moments. So Psalm 139, page 628. For the director of music of David, a psalm. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If, my, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the sacred place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. I do, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. And we thank God for His Word to us this morning. Nigel. 
omnipresence is what we're thinking about. I must say, I don't know about anybody else, but uh, I certainly have been learning lots of things as we've been looking at the attributes of God over these weeks, uh, and I've quickly found that I've come up against the limits of my understanding and my ability to grasp what God is like, and I suppose we ought not to be surprised by that, um, because the, the, the brightest human minds are not going to be able to comprehend the infinite God. But that doesn't mean that there aren't things that we need to know about God because He has revealed those to us in His Word. And this week, as John has been saying and as we've been saying to the boys and girls, we are thinking about the fact that God is everywhere. We use this word omnipresence. Omni means all, all present. And uh, it's a very practical Christian truth. We, we often find ourselves saying things like, I really wish I knew that God was with me. Or we pray for people who are in difficulty, and we, we ask that God would be near to them. Uh, and in some cultures, it's common to, to use a sort of a blessing, uh, God be with you. And, uh, and so we want to, th to think about it a little bit uh, this morning. A few things we're going to say. Uh, first of all, God is present everywhere. That's really what, what, what this uh, means, of course. God is present everywhere. Uh, the, the classic part of the Scriptures that talk about this is Psalm 139. We, we read it earlier. It's beautiful. It, it just speaks about God's all-encompassing knowledge of us, even before we were born, uh, even the thoughts that are in our minds. The psalmist says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God's presence is everywhere. And if you think of the things he's saying, he's really emphasizing that point. The heavens, of course, are up from his perspective. The depths are down. So up and down, God is there above me and below me. The wings of the dawn refer to where the sun rises in the east. The far side of the sea, of course, from the perspective of Israel is the Mediterranean, is the west. And so he's saying, you know, if I go up or down or left or right, east or west, wherever I go, God is there. Jonah, of course, found that to be true. For the psalmist, for David, it's a tremendously comforting thing. It's good news. There your hand will hold me fast. For someone like Jonah, it was an oppressive thing. It was something that he wanted to escape from, and he tried to run from the Lord. And you remember, he was there in Israel, and uh, he took a ship that was scheduled to sail to Tarshish, which was in Spain, which for uh, those Israelites was really as far as you could go. It was saying it's about as far west as I can possibly get to. And yet, he found that he couldn't outrun God. God was everywhere. God sent the storm to interrupt his flight. Had he made it to Tarshish, of course, God would have been there too. And that, that idea of God being everywhere is the, the overflow of the fact that he is an infinite God. He's, he's not like us. He's not finite. He's not limited. He's a spirit. He's not limited by a body, so he doesn't have to be in one place. He's very different than us in that regard. We can only be in one place at one time, even though we might wish uh, that we're, we're different. And sometimes we sort of think that, you know, I, I often find myself double-booking things. 
it. You know, you, you, you think, oh yeah, I can do that. And then you, you go to, to put it into your diary and you realize that you've got to be in Belfast at the same time that you said you would meet that person in Lurgan. And there's a moment in your head where you think, can I make that work? Can I be in two places at once? And then you realize, no, of course not. I, I can't do that. But God is present in all places. Jeremiah 23, God says, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? And if you want to, to add a, another dimension to our thinking, which I'm sure is already beginning to be stressed if we're allowing ourselves to think this way, He's also present at all times. God present in all places, but also present at all times. So at the moment, the Battle of Hastings, 1066, everybody's password, I know. Uh, the Battle of Hastings is as current to God as this moment here today. Now, that's really important. We're, we're going to come back to that. There, there is nowhere where God is not present. The home that you left to, to come here, He is there now. He is with us here now. The place that we will go tomorrow, He is there already. Anywhere you go in the universe, God is there. It's important to say that, that God is not the same as the universe. That's an Eastern idea. Some of the Eastern religions tend to think of that sort of pantheism and so on, the idea that God and the universe are essentially the same thing, and so the trees are part of God and we are part of God and so on. That's not the Christian idea. God is distinct from His creation. In fact, He's far beyond even the universe. So, God is present everywhere. Second thing to say, just briefly, is that God is fully present everywhere. I got some paint the other day to paint my fence. And you know what happens. You sort of count the number of panels or the number of meters or whatever, and you figure it out, and you think, oh, I, I, I'm just going to need like 3.1 tins. And it never quite works out. And you think, oh, and I know what I'll do. I'll just buy three tins because it's a fortune, and I'll, I'll just spread it a wee bit thinner maybe water it down a wee bit around the back of the shed where nobody will see it. And that's what we're like, you know, that we sort of think that we can, we can spread something a little bit thinly. And we might be tempted to think about God like this, that He's very, very big, but so is the universe. And so He sort of spread thinly across the universe like a thin coat of paint. But that's not the case. God is fully present everywhere. He is, the theologians say, He is the, the, the fullness of His being is in every place and at every point in time. He's not more concentrated over there or over here. He's not more concentrated in church than He is in your house. He is fully present everywhere. So, so with, with that in our minds, let's just listen to those words from Psalm 139 again. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. 
If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. There's a story in the Old Testament of, of Jacob on the run from his brother Esau, who deceived, and he, he lies down to sleep, and he has a dream of a staircase. We sometimes talk about Jacob's ladder, and the angels are ascending and descending off on it, and he wakens, and he says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Maybe that's true for us. It's been true for me, I think, as I've begun to think about this. We spend our days, don't we, with with a little thought of God sometimes. We sometimes imagine Him far away or occupied with other things or other people. And yet, as we begin to think about who God is, we begin to realize that surely God is in this place, as in every place, and I'm not aware of it. Well, how do, we experience, how do we explain the fact that our experiences of God, sometimes seeming close, sometimes seeing, seeming further away, and the language of the Bible sometimes talks about God being special, uh, present in special ways? Well, that brings us to our third thing that we want to say, and that is that God's presence is experienced in different ways. While God is everywhere fully present, His, His presence is experienced by us in different ways. The Bible does indeed talk about God coming near or withdrawing or, or presencing Himself with us. Uh, often that coming near is in order to help His people in particular ways. So, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Isaiah 43, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. It's not that God is not in the waters or there as it were normally, but there's a particular sense in which His presence is revealed to us when we need Him in that difficulty. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And Jesus said this too, didn't He? Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. It's tremendously important for us, isn't it? That sense of God drawing near to us especially when we experience difficulty. And God promises to do that. So, so even though that we know God is fully present everywhere, we should seek His presence. We should pray for it for ourselves and for others. We should expect it when we gather to worship and whenever we turn to Him. Of course, the other side of that is that sometimes God withdraws His presence or the sense of His presence from us maybe because of our sin, maybe to teach us something that we wouldn't otherwise know. God presence. We experience Him in different ways. Now, that's a tremendously important and practical teaching with, with lots of implications, especially the encouragement of how important it is that we, we have, and we have some sense that God 
is with us. You remember whenever God's people were in the desert and, and Moses was leading them, they'd been desperately disobedient at times, and Moses felt that at times things were in a bit of a knife edge for them. And he said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. What he's saying is, Lord, we, we, we need you. We, we need you right in our midst. We, we really need your presence. It's, it's not just that, that we need to know that God is there for he's always there, but, but we need him with us to reveal himself to us, to, to bless us and protect us. And we, we so need that. We need that in the week ahead, don't we? And the Bible is full of, of promises of God doing, uh, God doing just that. The Bible variously speaks of God being with us and around us and in the midst of us and behind us and underneath us and near us, before us, and Jesus promises never to leave us or forsake us. So if you're a Christian here today, trust in the presence of God even as you seek Him. So many encouragements as we think about God's presence. But, but just for a moment, I want to, to finish by thinking about how God's presence is part of the backdrop to the great Christian story, to, to our story, but to the great story of the gospel. Because the story of the gospel involves us running from God's presence. We already, we already mentioned Jonah trying to run from God's presence. Let me go right back further in the human story to uh, the beginning, to Adam, to Eve. Remember what happened at the beginning? If you're, you're here or you're listening online and you're trying to figure out what Christianity is all about, th this beginning story in Genesis is, is really, really important. Our, our first parents, Adam and Eve, were, were given everything by God in a perfect place in Eden and they chose to rebel. The Bible called that rebellion sin. And what happens immediately after that is that Adam hides from God. And beautifully, God comes and calls to him, Adam, where are you? The God who knows everything and is present everywhere still asks questions, just as you would if you were a parent and you walk in and you find your toddler misbehaving and chocolate all over the the, the, the uh, Nutella all over the kitchen cupboards, uh, and you say, do you want to tell me what's happened here? And you know exactly what's happened here. And, and Adam says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He hid. It doesn't make any sense, does it, to, to hide from the God who is fully present everywhere, but he hides. And, and you know, we have been affected by that story. We've been infected by that same spirit of wanting to hide from God in our sin. And we also then tend to repeat Adam's actions. We tend to say to God, our natural response to God tends to be, leave me alone. I want to do my life without you. We say, stay away. really doesn't make sense. Listen to what the Bible says about God. In Him, this is Acts 17, in Him we live and move and have our being. If it wasn't for the fact of God's presence with us and Him upholding Him moment by moment, we would simply cease to be. In Him we live and move and have our being. How can we say to the one in whom we live and move and have our being, stay away from us? And yet we do. Maybe some of us are even now. And yet he knows us through and through. He knows the worst about us. 
We talk these days a lot about privacy, don't we? We claim to have a right to privacy and so on. But there was a line that I was reading whenever that really caught my attention as I was reading about this, and it simply said this, there is no privacy with God. There's no privacy with God. Those things that we hope no one else ever finds out about, do you know what? Not only does God know about them, He was there. He was there, fully present with us at every part of our journey so that we have no secrets from Him, no privacy from Him. Those things that we think then that we have left behind, remember what we said about Him being present at every point of time? Those things that we think we have left behind, they are current to Him. He doesn't have a, a fading memory in that sense. Everything for God is now. And you see, therefore, what a really fundamental part of our story is, that the God who is everywhere present and to whom we are accountable, and we have said, stay away. And yet, what is God's response? It is to draw near. Names are really important for us. We're going to be baptizing Penny in a moment or two, and we're always interested to hear the name of a new little one in our circle or in our church family or in our family circle. And names were really important in the Bible. And you know when Jesus came, it said this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. One of Jesus' names, sort of a title, was Emmanuel. And then Matthew tells us that Emmanuel means God with us. So, so you see what, what the, the great Christian story is? What does God do to the people who owe him everything, and yet the people who say to him, stay away? He draws near in Jesus. And, and, and that drawing near didn't just mean that he came to stand beside us. It, made that, it meant that he came to stand in for us. He, he went to the cross, and on the cross, and we could say so much more about this, on the cross, he experienced a loss of the sense of his, the presence of his Father, with whom he had been in full presence forever. As our sin is, is laid upon him, as he soaks up God's anger against what you have done and what I have done, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus lost the sense of his Father's presence so that one day we might be welcomed into God's nearer presence, that we really might be able to know God with us and us with him. See how presence is one of those themes that just is the backdrop to the great Christian story? Do you see how how great God's love is for you and for me to those who run away from what we cannot escape from. He draws near so that we might endlessly rejoice in His presence. If you don't know Him today, don't run from Him, but come to Him.